0: you're listening to the paradox church podcast paradox church is a jesus-centered community where our motto is come as you are no perfect people allowed for more information about our service times location and to get connected with us please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com we hope you enjoy this message So let me ask you a question. I I think this is a safe question. If I know people, because I am one, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, none of us like to be told what to do. Raise your hand. You don't like to be told what to do, right? Yes. Some of you like to be told what to do. Raise your hand. All right, I'm telling you what to do (laughs) right now, okay? None of us like to be told what to do. In fact, from the moment we're born, I don't know what it is. It's hardwired in us. Like, from we're born, and then one of our first words no. And, and just, we're like, oh my gosh, that feels so good, rolling off the tongue. No. And we just keep practicing at all. Our, no, no, no. Our, our daughter is four. And right now, there is no faster way for her to go to the corner than to whisper that one word, no. She's like, and she, she loves it. She's like, oh yeah, that feels, feels good. I'm going to say it louder. I'm going to say it more. No, no. It almost becomes a chant for her, you know? No. In fact, uh, our other daughter, Jenna, when she was little, she took it even a step further and she would go, No. I will never, I'm like, man, wow, at four years old, whatever, you already know, you will never, ever want to obey your mom and dad. It's like, you're so wise beyond your years, daughter Jenna, you know, because none of us want to listen, we don't want to obey, we don't want to have somebody tell us what to do. In fact, I'm that guy that like, even at a concert, somebody tells me what to do, like, get your hands up, I'm like, you don't know me, you're not going to tell me what to do. I was going to, actually, but you know what? I just want you to know that the reason I'm not now going to put my hands up is because you told me to put my hands up. My hands are down. Thank you very much, sir. Right? That's the levels. Does anyone, anybody else do that? It's like, not, I'm not only going to not do it, but I really want you to know that the reason I'm not doing it is because you want me to do it. Anybody else have that argument? You're like, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay, good. So we're all in the same place because none of us like to be told what to do. And in fact, from the moment we're born, we have this problem with authority, right? authority, obedience. You know, by the way, we're really getting like the good stuff. We just, we know what everybody wants to hear here at Paradox. Last week, we're talking about money. Oh, people love it. This week, authority and obedience. We're crowd pleasers here. We just love tickling the ear here at Paradox Church. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, And we have this problem with authority, though, because we're humans, we all have it, and it comes from this place for most of us. There's these three things that I think that we could call a less than perspective. Most of us don't like authority, we don't like to be told what to do, because we're living with a less than perspective. Here are some of the marks, the defining characteristics of a less than perspective. Uh, We feel less than. When someone's in authority over us, when someone tells us what to do, it makes us feel less than. And it comes out this way, like, oh, high and mighty, who do you think you are? Like, you're going to tell me what to do? You're not the boss of me, right? That's what comes out. You're not over me. We're equal, or if anything, I'm going to tell you what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I'm telling you not to tell me what to do. See how that goes? Being told what to do, being in authority, often will appeal to our sense of identity or make us question the character of the person that is in authority by saying, I don't want to feel less than. And that's why it it actually kind of makes us afraid, right? We're afraid, and rightfully so, because there are many people that are in power, in authority, or that do tell us what to do, that do not have pure motives. We don't live in Judge Judy's courtroom where everyone is perfect all the time. Nobody ever did anything wrong in the courtroom, right? No, we actually live in the real world where people do things wrong and get it wrong, and and they're, they're not. Our motives aren't always perfect. So it makes us afraid, and we say, you know what? No, I don't want to be less than you because I'm scared of who you are. Here's the second thing. We think that other people know less than us. There is no one as smart as me as far as I'm concerned, okay? No one. But everybody thinks that they are, right? Everybody thinks that they could do your job better than you. It's like, hey, I've got an idea for you. I've got a perspective. What, what if you just did this? You're like, no, I thought about that before. I'm not, here's all the reasons why. And even if, again, even if you were going to do that, now you're like, no, let me tell you why it's not going to work. All right, it's not going to work because you said it. That's why, right? We think that we, we think that other people know less than. We feel less than in authority. When other people are in authority, we think they know less than us and we doubt their competency. And then the third thing is this. Some of us just couldn't care less right? People tell us what to do, and it's it's just straight up like, I actually don't care about what you care about, so I'm going to continue to sit here and do nothing, right? I don't care. I couldn't care less about you, your mission, the things that are important to you. I think that many people, many in customer service are dealing with this less than in particular. Just couldn't care less, you know? Like, uh, hey, my order's wrong. What do you want me to do about it? Like, I don't... Fix it? I, <laughs> just, it's an approach. You're not the boss of me. No, you're not. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we couldn't care less. <laughs> so many of the rabbit trails that pop up in the minds here today. Um, but here's the thing: when we operate with this less than approach, our less than approach often leads us to settle for less than God's best. Our less than approach often leads us to settle for less than God's best because when we reject authority. Many times, it's the bad authority that we're after. We don't, we don't want to submit to bad authority. We don't want to obey bad authority. People on a power trip, people that don't know everything that we know. But in rejecting all authority, we often reject the good with the bad. And we end up settling for less than what God has for us because we don't want to be told what to do. We end up missing out on the goodness, the love, the wisdom, the direction and the purpose and the blessing that God has for us in the things that he's asking and inviting us to do. Oftentimes, when we, when we don't listen, when we, re- we reject God's authority, we end up experiencing unnecessary pain. I don't know if you realize this, but God is a good dad who loves you and wants good things for you. And the things that break your heart break his heart. And when you're hurting, he's, his heart is hurting. And so many times, the result of our disobedience is pain and hardship and suffering, and we experience it because we said, no, you're not going to tell me what to do. Other times, we we miss out on the joy and the encouragement and the support that other people have for us because they're not listening. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? Right? I mean, there have been so many times where I'm, like, I'm standing in line, right, at the store, and you get that little thought, you know, like, uh, hey, you should, you should encourage that person. Just tell her that she's being a good mom. She's a good mom. Or, or pay for that person's meal or something. You're like, no, I actually think that's Satan. Like, how do I know this is from God? And we, we justify it all, right? It's, Go and share the gospel with you. Get behind me, Satan. No, I'm not going <laughs> to... No, so, so other people end up missing out on God's goodness too because oftentimes we don't, listen, we don't want to be told what to do. And as I said before, throughout this series, we're going to be looking at how different people throughout the Christmas story worshipped. And we've looked at Mary and the wise men. And today we're looking at Jesus' dad here on earth who was Joseph. And the crazy thing is I look at this story through this lens, this lens of obedience is that the entire world could have missed out on God's best in Jesus, depending on this man's yes to God. His story is found in Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. I want to invite you, if you brought your Bible, to turn there now. Or maybe you are, you are doing the U version thing, right? You downloaded the app, version. You can pull that up right now, and that scripture is going to be on there for you. But the story is found in Matthew 1, 18 to 25, and it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's something that's crazy and hard to believe. And yet, we believe that it is in fact true. And Her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. If you're having a hard time with all of this old language and weird stuff, let me put into perspective exactly what's going on. Mary and Joseph are engaged They have not slept together yet, and yet she is pregnant. Crazy Mary comes to Joseph and says, I swear to you, um, it's God's baby. Okay? Now Joseph is deciding what to do with that, as you may be as well. Okay? So, as he considered these things, what things? Crazy fiance, you know? Cheating fiancé, reputation on the line, future going forward, like, what am I going to do? This is a big decision that that he has in front of him as he's considering these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." Joseph is in this place. He's considering things, the circumstances surrounding this, the relationship that he is in. He's considering his desire. What does he want to do? How does he feel about everything that's going on? He's sorting through a whole lot of the hurt. He's he's a good guy. Joseph actually wants to do the right thing because as we said when we talked about Mary, he can also say, hey, everybody, whole community, whole neighborhood, uh, my wife, my, my fiancé, she's pregnant, and y'all know the laws. She's supposed to die now. So he can, he can embarrass her, humiliate her, and have her put to death. This is the culture that they live in. So Joseph, being the good guy that he is, is considering all of these things. What do I do? What, what's in stake for, for Mary? What, what about this, this little baby now that she told me is, is inside of her? What about the reputation? What about our future together? What's the right thing to do? He's considering all these things. And I want to say, like, we're, we're considering people. Every single person that was walked in here today has something or some things on our mind that we would say, you know what, I'm, I'm considering it. I often call these things, like when we're considering things, idea birds. And the thing about idea birds is that they don't have to fly, okay? They're just these little, it's supposed to be funny, but that's all right. I'll work on it. Uh, I'll... Message received. Get funnier, Dave. Okay? <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the idea bird would fly, but it did not. It did not fly. But idea birds aren't like, they're, they're not things that you have to do, they're just things to consider. You know, like, hey, what, what if we did this? And if the idea bird doesn't fly, then it's okay. Joseph is considering all these different options because we're considerers. When when we're when we're invited to something, when we have an opportunity, our natural response, and oftentimes this is a good response, is to consider it. We say things like, "Well, let me think about that," or "This is my favorite for my kids. We'll see," right? Which parents know that's no, you know, that's don't talk to me right now. The answer is no, and I'm hoping that you forget. We'll see. We consider whether or not we have the time. Hopefully, we consider whether or not we have the money for opportunities. We're considerers. Again, there's nothing wrong with that until we come to something called a command. And commands are not for consideration. Commands are things that are requiring obedience. I command you to do this. It requires our obedience, and that's when our less-than mindset comes up, right? Don't tell me what to do. And it gets in the way. We have this saying in, in, in our house, we want our kids and our family to be people that obey quickly, completely, and this is the best one, cheerfully, cheerfully, right? Do you guys want to say these with me? Quickly, completely, and cheerfully. Oh, what a wonderful world that would be. That's all I want for Christmas, right there. Kids that obey quickly, completely, and cheerfully, but often, even as adults, our obedience two commands is less than that. We are less than quick. Like we we shroud it in the most spiritual of language. Let me pray about that, pastor. You know, I I get it, I get it, all right? We're less than quick when it comes to things. Our obedience is less than complete. We do a little bit, but not all of it. We do a little bit, just, just enough to get by, like just enough, oh yeah, I didn't get to the rest. It's less than complete. And we're definitely less than cheerful about it Many, many times. We worship when we exchange our less than for God's greater than mindset. We exchange God, our, our less than mindset for God's greater than mindset. This greater than mindset, there's a word for it, and it is exactly this it's obedience, it's saying yes to God. So that when God comes to us and asks us to do something, He invites us into something, we say yes. Many times we make things or people or God, uh, things or people greater, but we make God greater when we say yes to him, for him. Saying yes is active, right? Worship is about love, but love requires action. There are these verses in, in, in the Bible, Romans 5.8 says that God actually initiates this kind of love. It says God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He shows love. It's active. It's obedient. Jesus is actually the most obedient person of all time. Whatever God said, he did. God showing his love for us. Other translations say God demonstrates his love for us. Or my favorite, God proves his love for us in this. Isn't that how it works? Like we we can say all day long, I love you, I love you. But if it's never shown, if it's never demonstrated, If it's never proven, then we start to question the love. It's not really there. Obedience is actually that. It's active. It's us now saying, I want to show my love for you, God. I want to demonstrate my love for you. Or, in other words, prove my love for you. It's not what makes God love us. No, God already demonstrated his love for you. So many of us have heard this false gospel, like what the church is about, and it's not. It's not, God is not about Loving you because you obey. No, that, that's absolutely but backwards. That's not the truth at all. God already loves you. He's already taken the initiative in, in Jesus for you. And our response then is not to worship him and obey him so that he will love us. We worship him and obey him because we love him too. And we believe so much that God loves us. This is the context that we have to have, the mindset that we have to have to hear Jesus say something like he says in John 14, when he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, then then show me. If you love me, demonstrate it. Be active. I love the way that the Passion Translation puts it. It says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. It empowers you. So loving me, God says, empowers you. It's, it's like the fuel. It's this place. Worship. When we worship God, when we make him greater than, that's what gives us everything we need to say, okay, yes, I will do what you want me to do. I will go wherever you lead me. I will, I will, I'll follow you. I'll listen. I'll obey. Where does that place of being greater than, how does a greater than mindset come into our hearts? Where does greater than obedience come from? Well, it comes from recognizing a few things that I want to invite us into. Here's the first one. When we have a greater than mindset, it's realizing that God's love is greater than our fear. I already said that we, we get afraid of authority, right? We get afraid of people, pastors up here, saying, like, you should obey. so like, no, 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 no. We've heard this before. I'm not being taken advantage of. I'm, I'm not going to get duped into giving all my money. Like, listen. This is legit. If you're thinking that, if you're feeling like, there is, that is a legitimate concern. But it's a character question, right? Not an obedience question. Because when we trust the character of the person asking us to do something, then it removes that fear, doesn't it? So recognizing that God's love is greater than our fear will go a long way in whether or not we're willing to do what he's asking us and inviting us to do. Listen to Matthew 1, verse 20 again in Joseph's story. It says, but as Joseph is considering these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to obey. Why? Because that which is conceived in her, this gift is actually from God. And if you know God, you know that he's good. If you know God, then you know he can be trusted. All right? This, this isn't a snake that's going to come out and bite you. No, it's, it's actually for you. It's good. Trust him. We get afraid to do the things that God is asking us to do, but because sometimes we doubt his character. We doubt his love. We doubt the place that those things are coming from. We don't want to feel less than, right? But we were just talking about this, by, by the way, in a, at dinner the other day. Oftentimes we'll have a question of the day around the Kubiak dinner table, and um, our, our kids Get to pick it many, many times, and this one in particular was really good. Uh, The question was like, "What's something that over the last couple years, or something that you wish you could have done differently?" It was something like that. You know, like, "What would you do differently if you could go back um, to the time that you were you were a kid?" Um, And man, I was thinking about that. I was like, "You know what? I would do differently." There's there's no one thing in particular. I just feel like when I was growing up, especially middle school, high school, if you're there, there were so many things that I didn't do because I was too afraid of what would happen if I did, you know? And fear has this way, right? It, it, fear is always holding us back. Nah, if I, if I listen to that, if I obey that, or if I do that, then what's really gonna happen? I don't know, can I trust it? And we, and we hold back, and when we hold back, we start living with regret. Regret on what we missed out on. Regret about what could have been, maybe. And it, it all comes down to fear. Fear slows us down, it holds us back it paralyzes us but listen to what first john says in first john chapter 4 verse 18 it says there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love remember right we don't have to be afraid because god is going to punish us if we obey no god has already loved us blessed us, wants good for us, and he invites us into more. He invites us into goodness. And when we trust that God is good, that he can be trusted, and that the things that he has for us to obey, even when they are hard, are actually for good, when we believe our commander is good, then we have no problem obeying the command. It's not an obedience issue for many of us. It's a trust issue. I think about some of the commands that illustrate this, right? How many of you, it's, it's, you're there on a birthday or you're there on Christmas morning and someone hands you a package and they tell you what to do, don't they? They tell you what to do because they say this, this one phrase, open it, right? Open it. Now, most of us, I, I think that we would say that someone has a severe problem. If they, if they took the package and then having said open it, um, you, you went, We'll see about that. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you think you are. I don't know what's inside of this. I may or may not open it, right? That, that would be a very less than mindset. But a greater than mindset does exactly what is asked. Why? Because you trust the giver. Now, some of you have the crazy uncle, right? That it, you're like, I don't know if I want to open this, Right? That's not about obedience, that is about trust, it's about character, it's about past experience. I'm not going to open this because I know very well that there might be poop in this or something, you know, like, I'm sorry if you have that uncle, but I feel like it might have happened before. When we realize God's love for us, though, it removes our fear. When our fear is removed, then we're free to obey him. Then we're free to receive the gifts, the good gifts that he has for us. I want to ask this question today. What if we saw every opportunity to obey Jesus' call, what Jesus is asking us to do? What if we saw every one of those things as a gift, as an opportunity, as, as God coming to us and saying, here, open it. Open it. I, I, can you imagine the excitement that would rise up in our hearts every time Jesus asked us to do something? Every time we read, we, we read the scriptures and there's a command, we would go, oh boy, another command. I know, this, this seems ridiculous, right? Let, let, like, let, let's just play this out, right? Oh my gosh, forgive my enemies. Yes! That's what I want to do. Oh, thank you for the gift, God, of this command. I love it. I can't wait to go out and forgive my enemies because I know I trust you. There's going to be so much goodness in this, so much joy. It's going to be so wonderful. No one's laughing because that's so ridiculous, it seems to us, right? Because these things are hard. But let me tell you, it's actually reality. It might be hard. We may not want to do it, but when God asks us to do something, it is an opportunity. It is an invitation, and if we trust his character, then we can trust that the gift is good. And we'll have no problem opening up the gift by obeying and seeing just what God has for us. It usually is not what we think it's going to be. It usually doesn't look the way we think it's going to look, but I promise you, it will not be doggy doo-doo. It will not. It's good. Because you have a good God. And these things are opportunities. His commands are opportunities to receive his goodness. Know him more and experience more of the full life that he offers. Listen to how in Psalm 1, 1, verse 2, the king, King David says it this way The king is somebody that doesn't have to obey anybody. In fact, everybody has to obey him. But even King David says it this way his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. How many of us delight in the law? You're just driving down the road, and you're like, oh, God, I just delight in this 45-mile-an-hour speed limit. I just, I just praise you, Jesus, for that, you know? Like, no, <laughs> it says he delights in the law of the war- Lord. That can be our response to commands, like opening that Christmas present. God, what, what do you have for me this time? What sort of goodness am I going to experience? Greater than mindset means, hey, God's love is going to remove our fear about this command. Here's the second thing. Greater than mindset is, is recognizing that God's ways are greater than our ways. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Proverbs is this book in the Bible that is full of wisdom. It's just like practical stuff. It's like sitting with with a guy over coffee who's been around the block many more times than you, and he's like, let me tell you, here's a one-liner, here's a one-liner, and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to write all this stuff down. It's like that kind of sage wisdom and advice. Proverbs says this. There's a way that, I'm going to try to (laughs) say it in like, like the old man voice. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You are like, oh yeah, that's good, I wanna write that down, I'm gonna tweet that, you know. But usually, we don't live that one out. Because why? We think that we're smarter than everybody else. How many of you, let me ask you this, have you ever, do you have a story that ended very poorly for you and others that starts out with this? At the time, it seemed like a good idea. Every one of us. At the time, it seemed like a good idea. Turns out, that was not a good idea at all. <laughs> we think, we, with a lesser than mindset, we think everyone else knows less than us. But the greater than mindset that goes, actually, no, God, God's ways are greater than my ways. God's thoughts are greater than my thoughts. And I'm not making that up. This is exactly what the scripture tells us in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God talking to us, by the way. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's what God is saying here. We think we're very smart. I often joke around about this because I play fantasy football a lot. By the way, week 14, fantasy playoffs. We're here Okay, I'm the only one. That's just great. I, I don't mind being the only one in the fantasy playoffs, but I am. All right? But, <laughs> but if you go back, like, there's all these things that have happened over the last 14 weeks that at the beginning of the season, like, I thought I was so smart. I was like, oh, I'm going to take this player in, in the last round, and it's going to work out. And it didn't work at all. And then there's these other players that nobody picked up at all. And they've, they've blown up. And you're like, oh my gosh, how could I not have this person? right? Because we all think we're so, smart, we're so smart. And football in particular has this way of showing us that we're not nearly as smart as we think we are. And whether or not you play fantasy football, we're all in that place because we're all humans in life and our perspective is limited. We're not, smarter. We're not the smartest person in the room. God says, I hey, actually... Um, my ways are greater than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I saw this exactly when I was hunting just a few weeks back. Uh, I, I, I told you about this. Um, I was sitting in, there's, and it's very interesting what this, what this word is called. There's a hunting piece of equipment called a blind, right? It's a blind. Now, part of what it does is it makes deer blind to you, but another thing that it does is it makes you blind to much of what is going on around you, okay? Okay? So I sat there on opening day. I shared this before. I sat there in my blind looking through these tiny little windows of everything that's going on with, around me, and I saw exactly, count them, zero deer. Meanwhile, Rory, again, here he comes, you know, uh, it's like, yeah, it was so awesome. I saw 19 deer. They were, they were up. Did you look behind you? They were, there were so many right behind you, man. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for your perspective. I really appreciate that, right? Um, so the next day, I wanted Rory's perspective. So I want to show you Rory's perspective. He was not in a blind at all. He was sitting up in a tree stand, which is there, and you know how many deer I saw? Tons. Okay, I think 19 was my number. Rory only saw like 14 the other day. I saw 19 um, because this was my perspective now, all right? And I could look, and suddenly, I'm not in a blind. Suddenly, I'm up higher. My perspective is higher. I can see a lot more, and wouldn't you know it? There's deer all over the place. All over the place. And this is what our lives are like, right? So many of us are down in the blind of life, looking around, thinking that we see it all. We see the whole picture. We know everything that's going on. We know what's in front of us, to the side, to the rear. Like, but we don't. God is saying, Isaiah 55, like, hey, you're forgetting that like my perspective is like being in a tree stand and yours is like being in a blind. And so the things that I'm seeing, watch out for that. Don't go over there. Make sure you look here. Make sure you do that. Trust me, my ways, they're higher. My perspective, it's bigger. It's more. It's greater than yours. And if you trust me, if you trust me, then you just might see the deer in life because my perspective is higher than yours. Here's the third thing, though. We recognize if we're going to have a greater than, if we're going to experience the gifts that God has for us, we're going to have to say, God, I know that your love for me is great, and you wouldn't ask me to do something that's bad. You wouldn't ask me to do something that's bad for me. Your love is greater than my fear. Remove it. Now I can obey. God, your, your ways, they're higher than my ways. So I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to do what you're saying. I'm going to trust your eyesight, not mine. And here's the third one. God's plans are greater than our plans. They're greater than our plans. So many of us, myself included, like this is me almost every single day. I feel like God is asking me to do something. And what's the first thing that pops up? Oh, but I, I was going to sit down on the couch. You know, like, I had big plans for today. I'm pretty busy. You know, <laughs> like if, I've got all these things. I don't, I don't have time to do that. I don't want to do that. I, what I really want to do is go home, turn on the game. But here I am, like, somebody's crying. I have to help them. It's like... To give this person a dollar, and I, I could have, could have used that for a candy bar. You know, like I got plans. I got plans. We all have plans, right? And here comes God with His plans, asking us to all obey and stuff. And we're like, oh gosh. That's a lesson mindset. Like, God, your plans, less than my plans. But when we exchange that, it's worship when we say, actually, God, your plans for me and for my life and the world are actually greater than my plans. The world just might be a better place if we trusted you and did what you were asking us to do more than what we wanted to do all the time. We've tried that experiment, actually, for thousands and thousands of years. Humanity has said, let's go with our plan. Let's see what the world looks like if we don't maybe do what you're asking us to do, God, and instead, consider this, Jesus, um, we do what we want to do, and it hasn't really worked out for us. All you have to do is turn on the news at night to see that our ways are not really working out. All you have to do is look back over the course of your life and some of the decisions, honestly, that we've all made there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain, there's unnecessary suffering, there's broken relationships, there's things that we did and said that we wish we didn't and that we wish we could take back. There's opportunities that we didn't take that we wish we could go back and take. And it's all because we said, I, no, I got plans. I don't want to be interrupted. I don't really trust you enough, God. Like, no, I'm going to go with my thing. Have you ever noticed, though, that the random stuff the spontaneous stuff, even the stuff that you didn't necessarily want to do, those are oftentimes some of the best memories that you have. It's just the stuff that comes up. It wasn't planned. You couldn't have planned for it. You didn't plan for it. And yet, it's the thing that's brought you the most joy in your life. Our less than plans and priorities and pleasures often get in the way of the greater than ones. God actually gives us, He gives us a purpose. He gives us a plan for the world. And here's what it is Matthew 28, it's called the Great Commission. Jesus is saying, Hey, listen, I'm about to leave earth, return to heaven, and on the way out, I want to tell you something. I've got a plan. It includes you, it involves you. And if you do this, it's going to change the world, it's going to change your life. You're going to experience more life, fulfillment, joy, purpose than you ever could have imagined. And here's what it is. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Oh, look at that. When they listened to Jesus, they actually experienced him. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're we're getting there. Next time, all right? I'm listening. I will obey. Get funnier. When When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm the authority. I'm in charge. I can tell you what to do, right? But this isn't scary. He's going to give us something good. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded. No, 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 no. no. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Why are those two words important? Let me tell you. I want to share something maybe surprising to some of you. The world does not change if more people would just go to church. In fact, it does nothing other than perhaps hurt businesses that are open on Sunday morning. Seriously. The world doesn't need more people to go to church. Okay, Your life will not change if only you would read the Bible more. No. You know what you'll do? Read a book. That's it. That's it. No, do you, you want to know how things change. You want to know how we realize the goodness. God, Jesus says, I, I want to tell you how the world changes. I want to tell you how your life will change for the better. When you go and teach people to obey the things that Jesus has commanded them that's where it is. If you're looking to gain traction in your life, if you want to see change, if you want to see momentum build, if you want to go somewhere better than where you are right now, the key to traction is action. You have to actually do something. No one ever cooked a meal by reading a cookbook. You know, it doesn't happen that way. We have to take what it is that we're being told to do and do it, and then you get warm, gooey, wonderful chocolate chip cookies in life, all right? (laughs) God is not about the cookbook. He gave you the cookbook so that you can have the cookies, all right? That's what obedience is all about. It's about exchanging our less-than-plans and priorities and pleasures for the greater-than-ones that actually is the route of saying yes and obeying the things that God is asking us to do. Obedience brings joy. It's good. I just want to take you back to Matthew 1, the place that we started, okay? Can you imagine for a moment, as Joseph is sitting there, considering all the things that are going on in his life? He's got some problems, He's got some big decisions to make that impact a lot of people. But what if Joseph woke up that day and said, That was a crazy dream, and went about his business? What if he said, You know what? I I don't know. I feel like God wants me to do something, but I don't know. I'd rather do this instead. I'd, I'd rather not deal with the mess of this whole Mary and Jesus and Son of God thing. Like, so no. Actually, hey guys, Mary, Mary's weird. Can you please put her to death? You know, like honestly, this this is a real scenario. Joseph could have done this. And I'm not submitting to you, I'm, I'm not saying today that God's plans ultimately could have been thwarted and no Jesus could have existed. But what if Joseph had said no? Our yes to to God is what brings Jesus into the world. God doesn't have to use us, but he does. He wants to. And when we say yes, not only do we experience God's best, Joseph got to, I mean, we're talking about him today. He got to experience God in a way that almost no one else in the history of the world ever has or ever will. He was a father to the son of god and it was because he said yes to god that's what enabled him to be able to experience god best god's best was his yes but also also it wasn't just for him so many of us have this 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 mindset like that that god's best is always going to be for us no sometimes god is going to ask you to do something He's going to invite you into something and, and command you to do something because he has his best for someone else. And the way that they're going to get to experience Jesus, the way that Jesus is going to be brought into their life, the way that Jesus is going to be brought into the world is through your yes. And his purposes are going to, they're going to be realized, they're going to be seen. But when we say yes to God, we get to be a part of it. We get to be the ones that say yes. We get to see it that's the opportunity, that's the gift that's presented to us in this crazy hard thing called obedience. When we say yes to God, we bring Jesus to people. It brings Jesus into the world. God uses people who say yes. He always has. He always will. God uses people to accomplishes his purposes. God uses people that say yes to, to heal hurting people. God uses people that say yes to give encouragement to the discouraged. God uses people that say yes to provide for the needs of others. He does it all the time. I already said today that Jesus was the greatest servant of all. There's no one that said yes to God more than Jesus, and he did it at great cost. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 8. Paul tells us to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. And obedience requires humility, right? Right? We're going to put somebody else greater than us. God, so what does that mean? Like, all right, we're less than again. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In a few moments, we're going to take communion, and this is exactly what we're remembering when we do. We're remembering that we have a God who in Jesus became obedient even to the point of death. And it's obedience, again, when Jesus, when, when Jesus knelt in the garden on his, in his final night here on earth, he knelt in the garden and said, not my will, but yours, God. I'm not going to say no to whatever you ask, even if it means I'm going to have go to, cro- to go to the cross to die a painful, humiliating death. I will do it. And in his yes, every single one of us gets to experience God's best for us. In Jesus a relationship with him both now and forever in eternity. We remember the yes of Jesus in communion. And then when we celebrate, when we receive it, when we celebrate it, we say, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saying yes to death for me so that I could experience the best, which is a relationship with you. And now as I take that, as I enjoy the relationship that I've been given with you, God, in Jesus, I want to turn around and say, yes, you're the boss. You're greater than anything. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you're asking. That is how we, in Jesus's words, proclaim him to the world. Will you pray with me before we take communion? Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his humility, for his sacrifice, for his death, because he considered us greater than so he became less. God, I pray that every person right now would not feel condemnation, would not feel overwhelmed or resentful at the things that you are asking them to do. God, would you just fill us up with your spirit, your Holy Spirit, that knows that you are the best gift. Knowing you, following you, is the greatest adventure. I pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit that empowers us, that we'd have love and worship for you that would empower us to obey. pray in Jesus' name, amen. As you feel like you want to during this song, I wanna invite you to the front or to the back to take some bread, dip it into the juice, and uh, go and just have a conversation with God. Maybe there's one thing that he's asking you to do. Maybe it's into a relationship for the first time. I just wanna encourage you, say yes. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.